0: Everyone in this room and those of you joining us online, so glad that you're here this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are here, and you are here. And sometimes we think of you as far off, away somewhere in heaven. Yet the reality is you are present, closer than our next breath. And we all come this morning with different in different places but what we share is a desire and a need for a fresh touch from your Holy Spirit a fresh word from you so I pray God that your spirit might speak and that we might all have ears to hear and eyes to see where and how you are at work in us and around us, and through us, in this world that you so dearly love. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Have you ever received a phone call? A phone call that changed the trajectory of your life? I bet everybody here could probably tell a story, give an example of such a phone call, sometimes it's good news, right? You got the job, it was the birth of the baby, something to celebrate and that phone call changed the trajectory of things for you, but often it's a crisis. The doctor calls and the report is not good. The boss calls and they wanna meet with you because they're downsizing. The principal's office calls, the police station calls and it's about your child. Or you get that call, and it's the loss of somebody you love. When the phone call comes for you, you will find yourself living in one of two conditions. Either you will find yourself living mostly isolated, detached, not really sure who you can call in that moment, mostly alone, relationally, spiritually, or you'll find yourself living into community. In other words, you'll find yourself in that moment of need with some people who you know and you love and who love you because you've already eaten together and you've prayed together and you've shared life together. And the thing about it is it won't be their words and it won't be their advice and it won't be their ability to fix anything that is the new reality. But it will be their presence that will hold you up, that will support you and will give you strength. Because that's what community is. It's it's almost like an invisible force. And that's what we've been talking about for three weeks, that community is like an invisible source of strength. And God says you will not grow without it. You cannot thrive without it. Now, if you know me at all, you know I am a huge fan of therapy and spiritual direction and life coaching, and I personally engage all those specialists in my life. But when the phone call comes, what I hope for you is to have some ordinary people who you do not pay who you can call. And... Don't torment yourself about this. I mean, not everyone in your life is going to be this. It's not like all of your relationships in life are equal, right? I mean, there are people you... Give more to than give to you. Those are people you serve, you minister to. That's okay. It's a, it's a key aspect of our life in Christ. There will be people who serve you, minister to you, and, and they give more to you than, than you give to them. That's okay. Some relationships are like that. But when we're talking about living into community, we're talking about those few relationships of which we could say they're, they're equal sharing. You're both giving to one another, that there's an equal sharing nature to them. And when you think about the life of Jesus, Jesus, I mean, he spoke to the multitudes, but he only had 12 disciples, and of those 12, he only took three to the mountain when he was transfigured. So don't torment yourself thinking that every relationship in your life needs to be an equal sharing relationship. It's not, it's not how it is. But when we're talking about living into community we're talking about finding those few for whom when the phone call comes you you call it's the ordinary people in life who actually have the power to change other people's lives i mean you think about like an adult daughter with an aging mother an adult daughter who who has the ability with her aging mother to give a tender witness to the final days. Do you know what that can do, that ordinary exchange? It can infuse a sort of hope in a time of loneliness and confusion and pain. That ordinary connection can actually give a person the hope and the courage they need to face the final letting go that we will all face. Or think think about a father with a teenage son and the father is heart-stricken with the teenage son. Think about that father's ordinary ability to provide touch, like an arm around the shoulder, that can just, like, cut through all of what's going on in the moment to, like, the tender child within. That's an ordinary moment. And ordinary people in ordinary moments have the power to change other people's lives, like when a friend can listen, without judgment. When was the last time you felt you were really just truly listened to when that friend can see the good and speak to it and call it forth especially when all you can see is confusion and pain and fear and despair that moment that connection it can change a life like ordinary people have the power to change other people's lives lives and the power of these moments it's not found in knowledge or advice it's found in human connection. It's that profound meeting of two souls where the truest part of you meets the, the empty recess in me in that moment and finds something there, something of God, something of light, something of good. In that moment, what happens is it's almost like two people are having an exchange, but no. Life is passing from one to the other. And the power of the moment, again, it doesn't depend on the advice. It doesn't depend on insight or new understanding. It depends on connecting, on two people coming into an experience of equal sharing, shared life together. We long for this, and yet we so rarely truly experience it. In fact, when it comes to community, I left these actual jars as an illustration in my office, but there. just imagine with me, there are two jars in your heart. One jar is in your heart, and it's we're going to call it the wishes, hopes, and dreams jar. This is the longing for belonging that's inside all of us, and you bring a wishes, hopes, and dreams jar in your heart to your relationships. It's that hope in all of us that we would have some friends that endure. That we would go deeper with a few. That we would be witness to both the highs and the lows, and that someday we die in each other's arms. That's the wishes, hopes, and dreams that we bring to community. It's this longing for shared life together. But there's another jar in our hearts, and we're going to call this jar the expectations jar. And this is the jar that loads up relationships with a whole lot of expectations. And in this jar, if we're honest, people are never enough. Community is always disappointing. It's let me down before, and so my response to that is I am gonna place a whole heap of expectations on all my current relationships. I'm gonna try to control them into being what my longing heart really wants. And I place all sorts of expectations on other people. If you want community, if you want to cultivate community, keep your wishes, hopes, and dreams jar full, and keep your expectations jar empty. Because expectations, someone told me this week, are really just premeditated resentments. That's good, huh? (laughs) Expectations really just premeditated resentments. And sometimes when we've been hurt in the past, right, we're like, oh, either we say, I don't even have a wishes, hopes, and dreams bucket, like, I don't need that, and we get kind of hard, or we get kind of controlling. Like, I am going to force my relationships to be what I need them to be. And expectations kill relationships because they just put too much pressure on other people. It's almost like all gifts from the Lord, including community, are like a river. And a river cannot be controlled. You can't possess and grab hold of the flow of a river. All of the gifts from the Lord, including community, are like a river. They come, and when they come, they come as a gift. The river flowing is a gift that we receive. We receive it sometimes for a season or a reason, sometimes for a lifetime you have certain relationships. Friendships, community, even family and love, they enter our lives as gifts. And when they end, there's a grief. There's a grief of loss. In fact, the deeper the love, of course, the the deeper the grief when loss comes. And when that phone call comes, I hope for you to be found living into community with some folks whom you can call. Because in our image-obsessed society, we often want to just pay people to help us with our troubles. We want to keep our struggles to ourselves and pay the professionals to help us with the hard stuff. We often even think, like, with faith, like, my faith is a private matter. But the scriptures do not see it that way. The scriptures, the Bible, does not see faith as a me thing, a me and Jesus thing. It sees faith as a we thing. It's about relationships. It's about covenantal relationships, not contractual relationships. That's what the Bible calls community. Okay, quick little quiz. Uh, Quiz for you is, what would you say was the first crisis recorded in the Bible? In your mind, think for a minute, what was the very first crisis recorded in the scriptures, in the Hebrew scriptures? If the first thing that comes to your mind is Adam and Eve, their first sin in Genesis 3, you would be actually in very good company. Because there were thousands of church leaders who were asked that very question. About 70% of them said it was Adam and Eve's first sin in the garden. But the fall was actually not the first crisis in the Bible. The first crisis in the Bible came earlier in Genesis 2 when God said for the first time, It is not good. That is the first crisis in the Bible. See, up until that point, right, you're in the story of creation. God's creating things, and there is this refrain. In the Hebrew scriptures, we are meant to notice it like a poem repeating a phrase over and over. And it is good, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good, and it was not good. It's meant to be jarring. It's meant to get our attention. It's meant to be like, what's going on here? This rhythm of it was good is interrupted. And that happens in Genesis 1. And then in Genesis 2, we're hearing the story of creation again. It's reported or repeated, but this time kind of from a zoomed-in perspective. And it's here that we're seeing, like, the first human was actually created before the second human. You know the story. It means that there's this period of time where Adam, the first human, was alone in the garden. Not completely alone, right? God is there. The animals are there. But in terms of human relationship, Adam was alone. And that is the state of affairs. That is the moment that brings the first crisis. It was not good. It is not good for the man to be alone. Now, it's so interesting that this is meant to get our attention. It's meant to jar us. It's sort of unexpected. It is good, it is good, it is good, it Is good. The problem was aloneness. And God did something about it. In Genesis 2, it says, The Lord said, It is not good for the man to be alone, so I will create a companion for him, a perfectly suited partner. Same is true today. It is not good for us to be alone, for us to be isolated from other human beings. Why is that? Because we've been created for community. We're created in the image of God who is triune, communal, and we are created for community. In a recent poll, half of American adults reported that they experience loneliness at least once a week. Now, loneliness and aloneness are not the same thing. You can be alone and not be lonely, right? Loneliness is speaking to this I-have-no-one-to-call feeling. Carrie Newhoff says this, the paradox of our age is that we have never been more connected as a culture, and we've never felt more alone. It's that ache of our loneliness today that's like an echo of the Genesis story. It's an echo of the very first crisis recorded in the scriptures it's this crisis of community because Adam was lacking a human companion. Human community was not yet possible, and God makes that right. So together then, the, two, the first two humans formed the first human community. And at that moment, God says not just it is good, but it is very good. So the refrain in the beginning in the creation is, right, it, is good, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is not good, and then it is very good. This is God's primary goal for all of humanity. God's primary goal for all of humanity is loving community. That the many would be one like God is one. Dallas Willard says it like this, God's aim in human history is the creation of an inclusive community of loving persons with himself as its primary sustainer and most glorious inhabitant. Early followers of Jesus talked about what we call today the doctrine of the Trinity, that even before creation, God existed in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and God one God in three persons said, let's widen the circle. Let's widen the circle because this, this is so good. This is so rich. This is so meaningful. We want to broaden the circle. God's most defining characteristic is love. First John 4 says, God is love. Like love is not something God does. Love is who God is. And before creation even existed, God existed. In a loving triune community of oneness, and then out of the overflow of that profound loving community that's already experienced in the Trinity, God is like, I want to include people in this. I want to create a humanity that can be included in this. God is relational, and because we've been made in God's image, we are relational. We are made for loving relationships. We're created for community. Community with God and community with others. And when you listen closely to your own heart, to its whispers, do you find that that is the longing of your soul too? That that is exactly the case? You know, that the silent sort of Churning of ambitions at the core of our being, the tormenting need to belong, to belong unconditionally, forever, without fear of loss, without fear of rejection, without fear of betrayal. That is the ache that's behind all our achievements. That's behind all the identities we adopt. That's behind all the places that we move to. Behind that longing is this longing to belong, to feel that there is a place where I'm fully known, fully loved, no fear of rejection. It's almost like you could say all of our deepest pursuits and hopes and dreams are caught up in this this paradise that was lost and, and this desire for paradise regained for the redemptive restoration of community all through the scriptures from beginning to end. God is talking about restoring this. So the question, once again this morning, as we close out this three-week series, is what does this look like for you to be living into community in this season of your life? What does it look like for you to take some steps to cultivate the kinds of relationships in your life Such that when the phone call comes, you find yourself already living into community. Charlie's going to come up. We're going to take just a minute to pray. But as you know, Tim's already mentioned, we are launching like a dozen groups around the city this next month. And I really hope you will consider joining one of them. So we're going to just take a moment. I want to invite you to pray. I want you to thank God for the places where this is already true and ask God where you might live into community more. So let's take a moment to pray together and then I'll close us. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God. We thank you that you are not just about doing love, but you are love, and that you've created us in your image. Relational, spiritual beings. Would you guide each and every one of us, God, in where we can celebrate and to say thank you for the people you've already placed in our lives and where we can take steps to cultivate this vision of a beloved community that you long for for us and for this world you so dearly love God sometimes we wonder is it worth it because of the pain or the hurt or the loss or the just it's not the what i expected it would be Would you meet each and every one of us God in the places where community and pain have intersected and would you bring your healing there would you bring your presence there would you bring your forgiveness and your light to shine that we might turn around and and be be the ones to offer beloved community to those around us without fear of rejection because we know of our full acceptance we we know that in you god there's nothing to gain <laughs> You've said everything, everything you have is already ours. There's nothing to gain. There's, there's nothing to lose. Jesus, in you there's nothing to fear. There's nothing to prove. And may that little mantra be what we take into our relationships. Nothing to gain, nothing to lose, nothing to fear, nothing to prove full and complete in you, Jesus, and we bring that to one another. Amen.